Welcome to the Christian Life Coach Collective. I'm your host and coach, Lauren Malone, and I'm here to help you become the hero of your own story and learn to be a guide to others. Whether you're a life coach in any niche or you want to become one, or you're just listening in so you can self-coach to lead your own life well, this podcast is here to serve you. I'm super excited to walk with you into your calling and help you create a wonderful legacy for your life. So let's jump in to today's episode. Hey friends, um, I hope that you listened to the episode I did on the Handbook of Expectations and the Journal of Expectancy. If not, stop now. <laughs> Please go listen to episode 92. It's seriously something I feel is so major in our lives and that we need to be really aware of it, very mindful of the handbook we have, not only for ourselves, but for all the people in our lives. And it's so important to me. And I feel like it's a really great place to undergird this, uh, what we're diving into today about big emotions, learning how to become aware of and manage your big emotions, especially during the holidays, during any big days, you know, that could trigger big emotions. When you are trying to do the work of managing yourself and leading your soul well, it's really important that you are aware of the difference between circumstances and other people and yourself and how other people aren't always responsible or to blame for how you're experiencing life, right? So the that episode, it's completely different than this episode, but they go hand in hand. And I want to make sure you catch that. So today we are talking about awareness and management of the big emotions. And you know, I believe in letting emotions process through and out of your body you simply must begin to care for your holistic health, meaning your your nervous system needs your attention, right? And while I know that sometimes, especially in the holidays, you find yourself in situations, or maybe even just at work in June, it doesn't matter, but you find yourself in places where you can't fully let your emotions be experienced. They, You know that you can't let everybody know exactly how you feel right now, right? But you have to make sure that you don't suppress them for too long. Eventually, you need to be able to revisit them and allow for the processing. So first, it's really wise to learn how to identify your emotions. You can literally Google the words feeling wheel and find a ton of images and all kinds of things out there. It's very, very helpful to find the words to describe what you're experiencing. I actually have one that I'll try to get up into the uh, Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group in the files. So if you go over and jump into that group, then you'll be able to find it in the files. And I love this one because it's actually also associated with the the instinctual triads of the Enneagram, the, the heart, the head, and the body triads. So also... You know, I I teach and I coach with something I call the pearl practice, and it starts with P, your paradigm, meaning your beliefs and thoughts, E, emotion, A, action, R, results, and L, legacy. So we go through it and we look at the old pearl first, you know, so we, we know that there's, we're getting results we don't want, 
and we know that we don't feel great about things. We know that um, our story is not being created by us. We're just letting it happen to us, whatever it is. We know that our thoughts are, are untrue. We're believing lies. We feel emotions that make us feel terrible. So that's what the old pearl is. We kind of develop all of that. Well, I know that the pearl practice, going through it that way, it looks pretty linear, right? Like you can go straight from P to L. And many times I do. When I do it for myself, many times I am actually able to go from I am seeing what I think, I see how it's connected to what I feel, and I see the kinds of actions I'm taking because of that, and the results I'm getting, and ultimately the legacy that is the culmination of those results, right? Many times it, it works out that way, but a lot of times it doesn't because there is grace involved. Amen. So sometimes we actually, before we ever see into the deeper side of like our paradigm, what we're believing and thinking on, me or my client may actually be more aware of the action first, might be um, seeing the action or the results and then tracing it back to the emotions and then connecting that to our paradigm. Maybe we know what we feel and that's higher. Maybe that's heightened and we know that our emotion is jumping up and triggering certain thoughts and certain actions, right? Well, regardless of where we start with it, we're simply looking at how all of these things are really tied together. It's a holistic picture. It's more of a river than a ruler. And why? Well, because we're human. There has to be room for growth and nuance and shifting. And because we don't all have the same operating system and processor internally. So if you're more aware of your emotions before you are of your thoughts, that's okay. If you experience a feeling before you have a thought, that is actually how it is for some of us. And for there's a lot of different reasons behind all of that. We're not going there today. But I do want you to, I want to help you understand how the Pearl Practice actually helps you give language to these emotions that you're feeling. It gives a, it's a vessel for you to be able to start digging in and mindfully be aware of what you're thinking and feeling and doing. And then you're seeing like, wow, that's all leading me to take action that, you know, gets this kind of result because I want to pursue this experience or I want to avoid this experience. They are all linked together. And the pearl practice helps you, it, it, well, it gives language to how thoughts and emotions inform the actions you take and how that connects to your roots and fruits, okay? So the roots being the beliefs and motivations behind your thoughts and emotions and the fruits being the results and legacies stemming from your actions, okay? Secondly, in addition to being aware of what you're experiencing emotionally, what you feel, Secondly, it's really helpful to give those emotions a little bit of a rating. So if you go with a scale of one to 10, one being a more passive feeling, and then move up the scale a little bit to three, that means you're actually starting to think about it more. Five is more of a, your body starting to experience it somehow physically, and maybe you're taking action, maybe you're doing something from this, the place of this emotion. 
Seven to eight means you're becoming more consumed with it and taking more uh, more assertive action from it. And 10 probably means you're not really able to help yourself get out of this uh, cycle or spiral on your own and you're not really in control, okay? So 10's way up there. Thirdly, it's wise to acknowledge what makes you feel these emotions. Knowing that it's your perspective of the circumstance, how you're interpreting things with your in your paradigm and your emotions, how what your brain is doing, what your soul is doing is all connected. How is your is your spirit rising up and leading you or is your soul and your body, meaning your brain, are they leading you? They're all intricately connected and you have to be aware of it's not just one and not the others. You have to see how they're working together, how they are fighting against each other, how they're working alongside each other. Okay, this is a lifelong work. I'm not telling you you're going to know this by the end of 2025 even. <laughs> so, all right. Um, you have to, it, it's helpful to know how to separate what's personal in a circumstance, what is really just circumstantial in the situation, maybe what's historical, because it's the brain interpreting the situation. It, maybe it's the person in front of you. Their brain is interpreting the situation against something that's experienced before, and that's leading to a heightened sense of threat to them, okay? And that's how they respond to you. Then you react because it feels threatening to you, et cetera, et cetera. I call that more historical, okay? It's not personal that you actually set out to hurt that person or they said something to you to definitely hurt you, but it's historical because it's bringing up a and and triggering a memory that your brain is associating with a circumstance okay maybe it's not what the other person means maybe you interpret something as unfair and you get angry well it doesn't mean the person makes you angry it's that injustice triggers you and that causes your anger to rise up so with the awareness of this you can learn how to manage your emotions better and lead your soul well right so i want to talk about these emotions that are just a good foundation for the most difficult and potentially negative things that you're going to feel. And it's the these emotions, anger, fear, disgust, shame, and sadness. And, you know, if you haven't seen the movie Inside Out, you should definitely go watch that. And if you have seen it, go watch it again. <laughs> I'm not t- I have not watched it recently, so I'm not necessarily, it's not part of my research, but I do love the movie just because it helps you know, put it into a perspective, the emotions and the uses of emotions that sometimes people want to avoid. Because if you are afraid of suffering at the hand of any of these emotions, you'll try to suppress them. And that's not helpful. Every one of us experiences anger and fear and disgust and shame and sadness. They are a part of your life. And it's time to accept them so that instead of suppressing them, you learn what to do with them. You are aware of why they are there, what their actual purpose is, because God, they are God-given emotions. They have a purpose. And then we're going to talk about that, but then we're going to talk about associated feelings and then some of the reasons might why you might feel these things and then some coping methods to deal with them. So starting with anger... It's a natural response that kicks in in the face of any threat to our control over our world, okay? So it really stimulates your nervous nervous system when you face a threat. 
And we need this, but it's what we do with it that makes the difference, right? Bible says you can get angry, but be careful that you don't sin when you get angry. <laughs> well, that's, I think that applies to every emotion, you know? And so God gave you all of these emotions, but it doesn't turn into sin until you do something reactively with it that is harmful and outside of what God um, gives you to do, you know, what he, the direction and the commandments he's given us, what Jesus would do. So how well we are aware of ourselves and how well we consciously manage ourselves is all associated with what we do with the emotions, okay? So anger is associated with the feelings of frustration and betrayal and aggression, um, intense displeasure, hostility, judgment, critical, indignant, really the list can go on. Check your feelings wheel, right? So you might feel anger when you're threatened or out of control or unappreciated, under stress, suffering any kind of injustice or unfairly unfair treatment. Maybe you're reminded of traumas that trigger. Uh, you're disrespected or you're in some kind of conflict, okay? So those are just some of the reasons, and those are those are general reasons why you might feel anger. You can zoom in if you're able to see that what somebody said made you angry, and you can separate it from the person who said it and recognize that you interpreted what was said as something that was unjust or created conflict or threatened your ability to feel in control of your world, right? So it might not just, you know, anger doesn't just get triggered when you're threatened physically. Threats are internal and external. They're physical, they're emotional, they're, they're mental, they're uh, psychological. So there's all types of threats that you can experience. And for some people, when they're threatened, it's a fight response, not a flight, run away, and not a freeze. I, depending on the type of threat, I'm likely to get anger <laughs> rising up. Like that's, I'm probably going to get mad <laughs> because I severely, uh, I, I hate, I'm going to use the word, I'm, I hate injustice and um, I hate it. Yeah, that's all I can say. I hate Satan and injustice. <laughs> You know, the whole, hey, kids, we don't use that word. Um, we dislike somebody. Or we we don't care for something. No, I hate injustice. And so when I feel hurt, I don't tend to get sad. I tend to get angry. <laughs> and then nobody wants to help me because I'm scary. <laughs> so I've had to learn how to manage that over the years. Next is fear. And it's triggered by the belief that you're in danger. Again, whether it's real or perceived, and the danger might be more than physical, it could be emotional, mental, spiritual, psychological protection, and we need fear so that we can respond when necessary because we are actually in danger and need to take action. So it is associated with feelings of anxiety and worry and stress, uh, confusion, uh, shock, skepticism, nervousness, distrust, not feeling safe, all those kinds of things, right? It's really associated. It's like fruits of fear, right? And you might feel fear 
when you feel unsafe, uh, when you lack security that you believe you need, when you're imagining worst case scenarios or facing rejection, when you're in circumstances that you don't believe are safe physically, when you are unable to see the future and a good outcome in the future, basically having hope, um, when you feel like you have no control, okay? So all of these are some of the reasons you might feel fear. It's really important that you recognize, again, the difference between the people and the circumstances and your interpretation of the circumstances, what you're thinking and feeling based on what happens. And that all is associated with your belief system. If you believe that you're in danger when you're near a a snake because you've been told snakes bite, you've been told snakes are dangerous, you've you've experienced situations, well, then your brain is going to interpret it as this is a dangerous situation. And depending on who you are, your fear is going to rise up and want to lead you. But what if God told you to take that path and there's a snake on it? Then what do you do? Is your faith able to interpret and lead you and say, that snake, the Bible actually says, I will not fall at the hand, at the poison of a snake. Like snakes and their poison won't hurt me. Am I able to actually operate in that way? Am I able to let my fear of the snake my fear of pain, my fear of suffering be set to the side and I will push past it and overcome it because I have faith that's rising up and leading me because this is the way God told me to go. He told me to take a left, not a right, but the snake is on the left. So understanding that that snake may or may not hurt you, the snake is more likely scared of you, most snakes, and are going to turn around, turn and go. But what is your interpretation of it? And again, that experience of what you're thinking, feeling, believing, thinking, and feeling in regards to the circumstance is going to determine the actions that you take. Now, disgust, don't you love that one? It's, I love, I love that disgust was in the movie Inside Out. Disgust is when you feel offended or revulsion for something or someone, and it serves the purpose of literally propelling you away from anything that's out of alignment for you or potentially toxic or something you have to get away from quickly. And it's associated with feelings of judgment and disapproval and anything detestable, uh, like an aversion, disappointment, and hesitancy. And you're going to maybe feel disgust when you're in situations specifically that affect your senses, you know, smells, sights, uh, touch, sounds, etc. Like certain foods, you you know, all of us know that one, right? The pea soup straight from the can that my mom would make me eat. <laughs> that was disgust. I still, I can physically feel the disgust. Uh, anything that you see or hear that is offensive to you, maybe on a movie, maybe somebody's language, or when you experience anything you consider very ugly, right? And again, you know what? Just because it's offensive to you doesn't mean it's offensive to someone else. Just because you think it's ugly doesn't mean somebody else doesn't think it's beautiful. It really is, comes back to your interpretation. Now, shame 
Oh, what a deep one. Probably do seven different episodes, maybe a whole podcast around shame. But shame occurs when you think or feel that you may have done something wrong or out of alignment with your core values or with someone else's, right? So it tells you, it kind of tells you, like alerts you to the, the threat of being cut off or isolated or rebuked, specifically if you don't rectify the situation or repent. And it tells you that you're wrong rather than, well, you've done something wrong. Now, somebody can say like you did something wrong. And if your interpretation associates that circumstance of you doing something wrong with your identity and your complete worth and significance, that's shame. So Paul actually says in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, that there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance and there's an ungodly sorrow that leads to death. And I think you could probably associate shame and guilt here and say that a godly sorrow is like a guilt that leads you to repentance. I did a thing, but I'm going to repent for it. I'm going to ask God for forgiveness. I'm going to ask my husband for forgiveness. And that is something that it solves it. It resolves it. It um, it bears good fruit. But there's an ungodly sorrow that leads to death. And I think that's shame. It's shame about I am wrong. And shame is shame ab- about who you are. That is only solved. It's not solved through repentance. It is solved through the perfect love of God. It's solved through his grace and mercy towards us because it's an, an identity issue. And guilt says you did something wrong. And anytime you do something wrong, all you have to do is repent and ask forgiveness. But shame is like this fiery arrow. It's laced with poison and it's aimed straight at your worth and your identity. So you you need, need to understand it has value. Shame has value in letting you be aware that something's out of alignment and there's a threat of disconnection or something, but you can recognize that it's different than guilt and its solution is not only repentance, but it is uh, turning to the Lord and letting his love and I, his fatherhood give you the identity of a son or daughter. Now it's associated with feelings of abandonment. And I would say orphanhood, embarrassment, powers, powerlessness, uh, vulnerability, rejection, remorse, worthlessness, jealousy, all these things. And you might feel shame when you have been rejected or abandoned or cut out, rebuked. When, if somebody calls you out, uh, if you feel tainted or you believe you're too much or you're too little or that you are insignificant or you lack purpose. Okay. Shame is a big one. And, um, it's, it started at the beginning, Genesis 2, Genesis 2, 25, that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. And when the enemy, when the serpent came in and isolated Eve, he didn't say, let's go ask your husband. Let's bring somebody else in this conversation. Let's see what God thinks. He didn't do that. He isolated her and got her into a situation. And then after that, they went and they covered themselves because now they are experiencing shame. So shame is, it points to the fact that they did something 
that wasn't good for them. It was not helpful. It was not healthy. And it disconnected them. And I don't know, had she experienced shame of even thinking about it before she did it, before she ate of the fruit of the knowledge of, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, maybe that shame could have triggered, would have triggered the, ooh, wait a minute. I'm just, I'm ashamed at just the thought of it. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to follow through and take action. So when you experience shame for your actions, for your results, then the only way to rectify that is to turn to the Father, to go straight into the arms of God and let him bring you significance and let him tell you your worth. And you're worth so much that he sent his son to die. He sent him to be born on earth, fully God, fully man on earth. And we're talking about this at the time of like Christmas 2022. And right now is a great time to see that regardless of your shame, there is no shame and condemnation for those in Christ. And so I hope, I hate shame. <laughs> I hate injustice also, but I hate shame. I hate it. And I'm, I'm, I'm a shame warrior. <laughs> so going after it. All right. I want to talk about sadness lastly. It is ultimately it's unhappiness and like sorrow, but it helps us know something is not fully helpful, fully um, positive, fully good in a situation. And we should let uh, let it help us to pause and reflect on what's transpiring around us, right? So that we can actually experience loss and pain and let it flow through and out of our bodies so that we can move on with acceptance rather than staying stuck in the cycle. So it's associated with feelings of despair and loneliness, isolation, depression, insignificance, hurt, grief and loss, uh, disconnection, apathy, apathy and hopelessness. And you might feel sadness when you're disappointed and isolated or traumatized, overwhelmed, grieving losses, rejected, remembering sad things, or exposed to sad situations. You'll maybe feel sadness when you're in transition in life uh, or dealing with pain and illness and experiencing life circumstances that you feel that's not the way it should have been, right? So... So what are the things that make you feel angry, fear, disgust, shame, and sadness? If you can pinpoint some of these things ahead of time, you'll have language for them when you find yourself in the situations that really trigger you. So instead of putting that blame on people and events and circumstances for making you feel these emotions, you can actually recognize they're simply emotions you're supposed to be feeling and you can be aware of them and understand them and give yourself grace and self-compassion. Then you can help yourself process the actual, the physical chemical response of the emotion so that it's not suppressed and then stuck in your body, causing other types of ailments you don't want. So here's what I suggest. When you feel any of these emotions or associated feelings, name it rate it, and allow it to some degree, okay? Then process, why is this happening? Why do I feel this way? And do your best to 
dissociate and disconnect it from the person in front of you, if there is one, or that, you know, examine your interpretation of the circumstances. And then are you thinking and feeling that the trigger, whatever was said or done, is something that's threatening you? Maybe threatening you with rejection or loss, injustice, offense, betrayal, something that makes this this emotion uh, rise up, okay? Now, now you have to think about how can you learn to cope with these emotions in healthier ways? So I'm going to give you some options. You probably know a lot of them, right? Not all of them are going to be things that would work for you, but they would work for other people, and they're not going to work in every situation. But obviously, physical activity is really great. You know, a workout or taking a walk, gardening, knitting, get your punching bag. I want one for Christmas. Thank you. Uh, Cleaning, cooking, baking, coloring, playing a game, stretching or deep breathing, even, you know, the whole countdown, count to 10 or counting backwards from 10 to 1. Stop and pet your cat or your dog or take a nap or do a puzzle, you know. Um, There's the mental activities. So like literally doing the pearl practice, reframing things, uh, you know, thinking on positive things, playing music or refocusing, watch a show or read something that is inspirational or motivational or just even distracts you so that you can take a minute, right? Or even writing in your gratitude journal or as in I talk about in uh, episode 92, again, the journal of expectancy. And then spiritual activity like worship and praise, Bible reading, meditation, prayer, calling a mentor, talk through talk through the situation with somebody who is wise. Um, invite God to tell you what he sees. What does he know? What, what does Jesus literally want to say to you about this? And when you feel triggered, which of these, or even something different, fine, off my list, could be your go-to? And think about what would work for you when you're at home. Obviously, you can garden or cook or knit, right? Take a walk, pet your dog. But that's not going to work if you're at the grocery store. So which one is of these could help if you're at the grocery store? Which ones are going to help if you are at a family get-together or a work event and you can't leave, right? So if you know which ones work for you, this is what I do. Make a list, make a note in your phone. Do what you have to do to prepare yourself. And it's going to be easier to actually manage yourself, manage your soul, lead yourself well. So whatever you focus on grows. And if you give these strong emotions more focus, they will grow. And you can focus on them in a healthy way that, you know, ask the question, why is this emotion here? How can I process it to let it go? Or you can focus on them in a negative and unhelpful way that leads to, you know, self-pity and blame and uh, disengagement or just ultimately self-sabotage, right? So I think about... When I think about these and I think about my anger and my my passion against injustice, and I was in the restaurant business for quite a number of years, starting from the time I was 16, right? I was in a lot of customer service roles in multiple areas of my life. I'm still in customer service, 
I can't get away from it. Whether it's in my house, on my podcast, on my business, I don't have to be waiting tables anymore. I'm still in customer service. Um, I think about to this day, if I'm at a restaurant and my server literally does not care about me, (laughs) I'm angry almost immediately to the point that my family doesn't want to be with me anywhere that we are not completely sure that we're going to get good service (laughs) because they've seen what happens. I did not used to be aware of what was happening, but now I see it's not the person. It is my interpretation of the situation that I feel this is injustice. Like go home if you hate your job. Please do not come here. Call in sick or simply go find something else you can do working for yourself because you obviously don't like people. And I'm a person, I'm a people. So (laughs) you should not be the person who is put in charge of caring for me because you don't care. (laughs) So when I get that way, it, it actually triggers this sense of injustice and I literally cannot help at times if I'm not managing myself well, I cannot help the fact that anger rises up and I freak out. And I don't do this so much anymore. So God bless it. But that's what happens to me. Without my awareness of it, it's not the person that's at fault. It's the injustice that I've interpreted. That's what triggers me, right? I have to manage that and I have to deal with it in a way that allows my soul to sit back for a second and take the back seat, right? So that my spirit can rise up and also so I can manage even my brain and my body better. So I want you to remember that just like a fence and thankfulness don't operate at the same time, they can't be in the same space. Fear and faith don't share the same space. Neither do anger and peace or shame and worth. But you have access to faith, peace, and worth. And you are actually an essential part of experiencing them. It's not the world around you and your circumstances that only have, you know, a part to play in this. Those are all things outside of your control. So you can take the opportunity during the season of big days to allow yourself to step back and self-observe. Watch what's really happening inside of you instead of outside of you. And allow your emotions to start taking a backseat instead of letting your, you know, your prefrontal cortex do all of the driving. It makes me think of the saying I remember when I was a kid, friends don't let friends drive drunk. Well, I think wise people don't let lizard bra- lizard brains drive crazy. <laughs> don't let the lizard have the wheel. <laughs> that lizard brain is reactive and it it has a purpose, but it does not lead need to be leading your life now that you are aware of your capability. So, I am praying for you friends and I wish you a very merry Christmas and that the tangible presence of the Lord is with you and your family and many, many blessings. All right. Till next time. Remember all things are possible and you can figure out how. Hey, thanks for listening. 
And I would love it if you could leave me a review wherever you listen to this podcast and tell me what you're loving about it. It helps other people who are looking for transformation and change and growth in their lives find me. And if you want to learn about becoming a coach with any of your superpowers, head over to sterlingandstonementoring.com and check out the greenhouse course. See you there.